0: Welcome to our last lesson in the book of Galatians. It's so great of you to join us. Today we're going to be in Galatians chapter 6 verses 11 to 18. The Bible reads, see what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. Those who want to impress people by means of the flesh are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised keep the law, yet They want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your circumcision in the flesh. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule to the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen. So let's unpack these verses um, one by one. In verse 11, Paul writes, See what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand to those who want to impress people by means of the flesh are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. How were the early church letters written? You know, this is a fascinating topic, Uh, another video for another time, but here Paul says he writes with his own hand, and so you might be wondering, wait, did he not write the rest of the letter? Well, he dictated the letter uh, to what's called aminousius, who would actually write. In fact, letter writing in the ancient uh, world was quite a complex uh, and expensive effort, but what I want to zero in on is when Paul says the reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ now some scholars think that Paul writes this because um, in in ancient Rome in the first century the Jewish people were given certain freedom partly because Rome had a respect for their religion because they saw it as an ancient religion whereas Christianity was a upstart religion and um, for those who have studied out um, you know religion and so on in the in ancient uh, in ancient Rome they say that this quite a few upstart religions that would pop up here and there and, you know, cults and those kinds of things and, and secret societies and that type of stuff. Uh, and so Christianity probably would have been lumped as one of those upstart um, groups, right? And so they would not be afforded the same um, freedom and, uh, and luxuries. So what possibly could have been tempting to the community in, in the churches in Galatia is to actually attach themselves to the Jewish faith. And in doing so, they could then claim that they also can be um, given those freedoms and, uh, and luxuries. So what are some of the freedoms you might be wondering? Well, for one, they were excluded from emperor worship. So they didn't have to, um, and they wouldn't get in trouble for it, whereas the others would. So that's one example. Um, and so again, um, possibly that may be what's happening is this group of infiltrators are coming in and enticing them and saying hey get circumcised so that way it looks like you're still practicing um the old covenant um, jewish customs and thereby you can actually make a claim that you ought to not be persecuted but the challenge of doing that and that's what paul is getting to is that circumcision wasn't just some ritual it was the sign of the covenant and so if you're going to do that you basically are now going back to the old covenant and so in verse 13 Paul makes a simple case, he says, not even those who are circumcised keep the law, yet they want you to be circumcised, that they may boast about your circumcision in the flesh. In other words, if you're going to be circumcised, you got to follow the old covenant practices, which even the people of God in the old covenant didn't actually practice. But he also says something very interesting. He says, so that they may boast about your circumcision in the flesh. So there's that real true motive of this agitators is that they actually wanna look good. They wanna make themselves uh, seem popular and seem powerful. You know, there must be something, you know, you can imagine drawing a crowd uh, is, can be very uh, enticing, right? Um, it's no different for us today, right? Like you're part of a big church or big community or, or people are hearing your message, this could even happen on social media. You, know, you tweet something and then someone takes and retweets and so on. And you just feel good. You're like, you feel a sense of like this power. It's like, wow, look, I'm influencing people. And then Paul says, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I, to the world. May I never boast except for the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, that's, that's just a great perspective and principle and and he calls it a rule that we ought to practice is we don't do this for our boast or for our popularity or for any of that reason we do it for the sake of jesus christ we're humble servants of our king and so again paul is calling the churches in galatia and god's spirit using paul is calling us to owe our allegiance to jesus christ and not to whatever whoever whether it be self or another. Because we can be self-righteous too, right? We can be self-glorifying uh, or we can do it for the sake of others and getting approval from others. And but, but neither one is really healthy. Instead, we're to boast only in Jesus Christ if we are to boast. Now, the underlining um, source of all this is the P word, pride, right? And the cure to pride, What is is the cure? Jesus Christ. And the cure to pride is being humble servants of our King. It's not to boast in our accomplishments, but in his accomplished work on the cross and in his resurrection. And in verse 15, Paul summarizes by saying, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. So here again, Paul concludes the letter by saying what what counts is new creation. And how has new creation come here? Well, King Jesus has fulfilled the narrative of the Torah and has done for both Israel and the world what we cannot do for ourselves and thereby has opened up an access for all nations, not just the particular ethnicity and calls all nations to come live under his kingship as a family. So neither circumcision nor uncircumcision mean anything. What counts is new creation. And then in verse 16, peace and mercy to all who follow this rule. And that word rule is interesting, word. it's the word uh, where you get the word canon from standard. So follow this rule. What rule? Well, the rule of Jesus is king and to be humble servants of the king, to boast in, in the cross of Christ and in living out new creation in the midst of the old and not getting uh, caught up in um, the patterns of all creation. And to the Israel of God. Now, again, this is a whole nother topic. We could actually make a series of videos on Israel of God. Simply, Israel is the people of God now that's comprised of all nations, not just ethnic or geographically restricted, but all nations. Isn't that cool? And how did that come about? Because of Jesus Christ's redeemed work on the cross and in his resurrection. And in verse 16, Paul says, from now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. That's a pretty bold thing to claim, right? Uh, I certainly cannot claim this, for sure. I do not bear on my body the marks of Jesus Christ, but he does. His apostleship is modeled after the life of Jesus Christ, and you can read about it also in Second Corinthians, for example, in, how Paul models the life of Christ in his life. He strives to. In fact, he even says in Philippians 3, he hasn't, he hasn't arrived, but he pers- perseveres, he pursues that, right? And so, what is the model of Jesus' life? When you look at his life, Jesus' life, he lived a life where he, where he, really, where he really did God's will. And you can read that even in the Gospels. His life was centered around pleasing his Father. Which actually led him to the cross and he went to the cross. Now he didn't rest, not that he didn't wrestle. And in Matthew 26, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he wrestles, but yet he chooses to do God's will over his own will. And in that he suffers. But then he's raised from the dead and now he's alive. And so Paul models that in his own ministry, living and striving to do God's will. In Galatians 2:20, he says, I no longer live. Why? Because he has laid down his life, but now the life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So he lives intentionally to model the life of Christ and he no longer lives and he strives to not live. In the course of that, he suffers and you can read about his shipwrecks and his uh, beatings and in his life really is an amazing life, but he suffers not because he's a glutton for punishment. He he suffers intentionally because he recognizes that was also the path of Jesus Christ. That's the cost of discipleship. And then he trusts in God's faithfulness that he will be raised just like Jesus. And so he carries that mark. And so he says, "Don't cause me more trouble than I already am experiencing for Jesus Christ." Again, there's a great lesson there. It's amazing. Like we can learn so much from one verse at the end of, of a letter. But I certainly am challenged by this. Um, Do I carry, do I really intentionally model the life of Christ? And I really want to. And so again, we as a community can help one another practice this model of really seeking and doing God's will, suffering for that, including suffering for that, and trusting in us being raised from the dead. And he closes in verse 18, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen. What an amazing way to close out. And again, the message is written to a church that is contentious, right? It's, there's, it's agitators. There's, there's really some heavy, heavy topics. And, and yet it's very intentionally closes out by saying the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And there's a lesson there for us too. It's not just a standard greeting, like, you know, we, we can sometimes say, how's it going? But we don't really care how it really is going. It's just something we say. Um, but really, there's, there's some, but really, if you read this from the intention of genuine, sincere, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. How, how amazing and how much impact would that make in any given conflict, that we're praying for the other person and we're saying, hey, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Now, he's certainly writing this to the church also where, again, there's splits, right? Some people are going with the agitators, some people aren't. He doesn't qualify the grace as to who it goes to. He doesn't say grace of our Lord Jesus Christ go with those who do not support the agitators. He says grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then certainly God uses Paul to write this for all time, including us. And so, again, what a great passage to meditate on. That the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with our spirit. What a great prayer to pray. Um, I know I want to start praying this prayer, you know, to pray intentionally. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with. You can pray for those um, in your life, your ministry, your friends, family, colleagues, neighbors, strangers, doesn't matter, right? Because it's such a powerful reminder that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, because the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ is a transforming grace. So hopefully you've really um, learned a lot, uh, been challenged, um, and been encouraged, and um, and you want more. Uh, I know I certainly do. Have gone through the whole book of Galatians, took about a year give or take, but I want more. Honestly, I'd like love to study out Galatians more read more, understand more. It's an amazing letter. It's one of my favorite letters in in the the New Testament, favorite books of the Bible. Uh, I think it's just beautifully constructed, very challenging, very encouraging, um, and really invites us to participate in in the work of Jesus Christ, in the redeeming work of Jesus Christ. In his death and resurrection, he's unleashed new creation. He calls all nations to come be part of his family. And I think it's a timeless message, a much needed message in our world that we live in today, where there's so much disunity, there's so much factions. There's so much tension, uh, racial tension, economic tension, you know, as, as far as rich, poor, and uh, all kinds of divisions and vaccinated, non-vaccinated, I mean, you got all kinds of interesting dynamics, divisions, um, and so on, that This is a timeless message for us that in and through Jesus' redeemed work on the cross, he has launched new creation and he's inviting all nations to come, not just tolerate one another, but come be family and walk this new Exodus journey. We're no longer in Egypt. We're now walking together. We're not in new creation fully yet, but new creation has broken in in the midst of the old. And the invitation is for all of us to come and be part of his family. And I hope and pray we take... um, take his invitation. We, we accept his invitation. And if you're watching this and you like to know more and you really want to know more about Jesus, about um, redemption, um, please uh, feel free to send me a message and would love to sit down and be part of your journeys and, and help you, guide you in any way I can um, in your journey to know Jesus. Thank you so much. To God be the glory. Amen.